Stanford University. You're listening to a podcast from Stanford University's Center for the Study of Poverty and Inequality. I'm Diantha Parker. This week on the podcast, the Great Recession means wages are low and jobs are still scarce and poverty is still on the rise. But the group that used to be called the working poor is disappearing and being replaced by what you might call the non-working poor. They're young, mostly 30 or under, with, at most, a high school diploma but no college degree. Seventy percent of them are parents and are what University of Wisconsin economist Tim Smeeting also calls disconnected. Which means you're not in school and not in work. It's kind of the idea of a lost generation if we don't find a way to get them back to work. Smeeting's new research, with Stanford's Collaboration for Poverty Research, looks at how these folks are getting cut out of the workforce, something that was happening even before the recession started. Ideally, he says, these people need jobs that pay at least $12 or $13 an hour. These used to be manufacturing or construction jobs, but the recession has dampened both those industries. Smeeting says today that's true even in places where they used to thrive. I am sitting in Wisconsin, the state that had the highest proportion of workers in manufacturing in the country. Our output is coming back because the workers they have are being more productive, they're using more machinery, more technology with them, but those kids aren't walking into those jobs at a high school. The other normal way to a middle-class lifestyle for a high school graduate is in the construction industry. The construction industry is dead. We have, how can we be building new houses and expanding the supply of housing when we've got all this abandoned housing and people who are being foreclosed and so forth? And then, well, maybe I'd be a policeman or a fireman. No, we're laying those off now because state and local governments are in trouble. So the normal roads to the middle class for people with a high school degree only are being closed. They at least have to go to two-year technical schools to become skilled in operating complicated machinery or something like that to have a hope of getting to a middle-class lifestyle once the economy recovers. Smeeting says many of these young people grew up in the lower levels of the middle class, but they've dropped out of it, and their incomes won't recover easily. He says just one setback can start a relatively secure household down this path. Suppose that it took two earners, a husband and a wife, to maintain a middle class family. One of them loses their job. Your sister-in-law, who is a single mom, or your sister, who is a single mom, uh, can't find a job, can't pay her rent, so she moves back in with you. Um, your 25-year-old, who's graduated from college but is still waiting to find a job, stays and lives with you. So this puts a squeeze on the housing, a squeeze on the incomes, and that's why the middle class is declining. At the same time, wages that are paid, people in the service sectors in particular, are very low. So retail sales, restaurants, travel industry, those, you know, the personal services industries where you need actual physical contact of people, uh, everything from haircutting and so forth, that's all down. And those wages are falling and those people are struggling. And that are really the people who left the middle class. He says temporary fixes, like refundable tax credits and the increased food stamp benefits, have helped many of these folks. And so is unemployment insurance. But Smeeting says that's where this group really loses out. Less than 20% of people under age 30 who are unemployed or jobless are receiving unemployment compensation. Unemployment compensation is great for those who've lost their manufacturing jobs or the construction jobs who are in their 40s. 
Uh, it's great for them, but it doesn't really help uh, the group that I think is most affected by the recession. Smeeting says these young, less educated people are hit doubly hard. They can't find decent jobs, and they can't claim any benefits that might help them while they're looking. Worse, he says, many of them never got a look at a job in the first place, even before the recession hit, because of their age and lack of education. Many of them had children, and as Smeeting points out, they've moved in with other relatives. This actually makes the income distribution look a bit better on paper. Living expenses fall for many people because they're sharing a home. But in practice, it leads to a lot of stress for individuals and their families. They're living with their parents, they're doing odd jobs that they can find, and many of them are getting involved in illegal activities, too. So uh, you have to live somehow. Speaking of illegal, Smeeting thinks some of the most at-risk job seekers in this group are those who are just getting out of prison. Andy says they're the candidates who stand to gain the most. If they get a job, get reunited with their family, they can start paying the child support they weren't paying while they were incarcerated, and they won't go back to further crime, which will cost us again thirty or $40,000 a piece just to keep people locked up. So I'm talking mainly about young first offenders. We need to help them. We need to have ways to do uh, jobs that deal with transitions from school to work for people who aren't really going to go to a four-year college. So there are programs like that in America, and we need to take a hard look at them. Without those sorts of programs, like career academies, for instance, which takes kids who are still in school and want to work but aren't going to college, it links them to employers and to jobs. We need, we need to do more, more of that so that when the jobs are created as the economy continues to recover, those jobs will go to the people who need them the most. Smeeting says lack of education and unemployment are linked for this current generation of young, non-working, or underemployed poor. Take the rate of unemployment for college graduates. It's about 4.5%. The rest of the country hasn't been that well-employed for years now. But just going to college isn't the issue. More Americans than ever are starting at four-year colleges, but Smeeting says many of them aren't finishing. This means that once they're in the workforce, their incomes start low and stay there. That's if they can get a job at all. And who are going to be the first hired when the economy finally gets going again, which we all hope it will? Uh, not those who've got a high school degree of less who haven't held a job for five years. Uh, those who are coming out of school who have a B.A., they may want more education somewhere along the line, but are ready to go to work. Those are the people who are going to get the jobs. And it turns out that the rewards to those jobs are very high. The difference between low wage and high wages in our country is bigger than in any other country. Smeeting says this disparity started in the 1980s and 90s. The changing labor market meant jobs were going to more highly skilled or educated workers. By the 2000s, manufacturing jobs finally leveled off and trade and productivity increased. That was good for us as a country, Smeeting says, but not these people. To get them on their feet would mean closing the widening income gap between the well-to-do and the poor. To do that, he says, the government can't just maintain people with tax credits, food stamps, and other temporary measures. It needs to create decent jobs and more of them. Work is the answer. Work is the major American value. I believe in work. Everyone believes in work. Work makes people economically independent and allows them to pay their taxes and support their families. And we live in a 
system, which is based mainly on work and which supports work, even things like the earned income tax credit, which will help you raise your wages, actually, if, if they're not enough to keep from being poor. But without jobs, you're in real trouble in this economy. And we've lost millions and millions and millions, seven and a half million jobs. And they're coming back very, very slowly. And in a world that values work and jobs and there's no jobs, you're really in trouble. Smeeting says there are a few big areas for job growth. We're going to need way more teachers here. Teachers are being laid off, but teachers are retiring in droves. And the baby boom's retiring. There'll be jobs in healthcare if you happen to get a technical degree as a registered nurse, that's a two-year program, or even taking care of people in nursing homes, a certified nursing assistant. Now, that last job doesn't pay well, but there will be jobs there in the healthcare sector. Of course, that may collapse the whole rest of the economy if healthcare gets any more expensive, but that's probably where jobs will be. Otherwise, the jobs are going to be, I hate to, maybe I want to put it this way, for those who are doing really well cutting their grass, doing odd jobs around their houses, being a nanny to their kids, um, feeding them in restaurants, uh, and so on. Those sorts of service occupations, cutting their hair and their toenails, all that stuff, that is what's going to be available to people who don't have much education and training. And those jobs are not going to pay great wages. Smeeting says one good thing about these personal service jobs is that they can't be outsourced or exported. But these aren't the jobs that will really grow the economy or provide good wages and benefits. He says overall, that will take some time. He points out that in February of 2011, the economy added 190,000 jobs. It was one of the best months of recovery since the recession hit. But even adding jobs at that rate means it will take seven years for the country to get back to 5% unemployment. So the government has to help more people to get higher paying work faster. Especially important, he says, is to help the people who are the least skilled and least educated. And he says this part of the population is growing fast. The number of children a college graduate will have is about 1.6 per family. The number of kids that a high school dropout will have is 3.6. 48% of the kids in this country are growing up in a household with a mother and a father who has no more than a high school education. In other words, no college. Smeeting says closing this education gap is crucial. It's the only way the next generation of Americans will have higher incomes than their parents or even grandparents do now. And he says helping them will cost money immediately. And the way we're going to have to get some revenues is to increase taxes back to where they were before Bush. In other words, have that top-end income bracket go back up two percentage points. That's a great start. Everyone in America wants everything. You want all the Medicare you can get, all the Social Security you can get, uh, great schools for your kids, wonderful public services, but you have to pay for them. And we're not going to get rid of all of them through budget cutting. So the T word, the tax word, has to be back on the table. And it's disappeared from American politics, and that's the real, real problem. Tim's meeting says government assistance should make people self-sustaining for the long term. It can't just be about getting them over a few rough years or a rough decade. He says good jobs and connecting disconnected youth to those jobs are the only way incomes will rise eventually. He believes they can rise, even if the effects of the recession hang around for longer than we hope they will.
You've been listening to a podcast from Stanford Center for the Study of Poverty and Inequality. Our funding comes from the Elfenworks Foundation. Our music is by Pharos. The editor of this podcast series is Christopher Weimer, and I'm Diantha Parker. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next time. For more, please visit us at stanford.edu.